Hey, hey, I'm back. At least, I mean, for for now. Uh, a lot of you were wondering where I went, and I am going to explain that. I guess, I suppose. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see how this goes. Um, I it's been an odd couple of weeks. I'm not gonna lie, and um. A lot of things have been going on at the day job and definitely made it a little bit more challenging to have uh, more free time, I would say. And um, uh, just it's a, it's a lot to take in mentally. Uh, at least I'm learning when uh, a, a place you work goes public and especially if you're pretty involved in what they're doing. So it's been a bit of a learning curve and I was trying to give myself a bit of a break and just kind of roll with the punches a little bit, but there is also more to it than that, if I'm being honest. So I'm going to start with a story, <laughs> uh, perhaps an allegory, although it is a true thing that happened yesterday. Um, and it got me, it got me thinking about this cause I've, I've actually recorded about five podcasts since I posted the last one, and I just, none of them felt right. I did them, I got through them, and it's not that what I was saying was off or bad, it's just I was shooting off the hip like I was at the beginning, but suddenly was really aware that I was, that I was doing that. Because when I started the, when I started Code of the West and when I started the podcast, I really, like, did I want something to happen? Did I want some, um, some, uh, uh, what am I trying to say here? I wanted a positive reaction. If I, you know, and I'm, I'm, I was going to try to sell stuff. So clearly I wanted people to buy stuff as well, but I kind of figured that it was going to be more of an uphill battle initially than it was. And I'm not looking to give tours in the mouth. I hope it doesn't come off that way. And also, it's not to say that like, oh man, I'm you know, it's I'm rolling in the dough or anything like that. It's just I kind of thought that no one was going to pay attention for a while, and I was going to be able to get my sea legs and and kind of experiment a little bit more without people paying attention. Now that I know that probably sounds silly, since I. <laughs> was I did this all on a public forum, you know, on Instagram and uh, which is true. I I totally get that. Like uh, obviously I'm I'm trying to you know get eyes on what I'm doing, but I just truly thought that no one was going to pay attention for a while. And and even though it's not like we're not talking uh life-changing numbers here in terms of sales and following, I just didn't expect to be you know, sitting shy of 2000 people on the code of West Instagram a few months into this thing. And, and so I suddenly became really aware that people were paying attention to what I was saying. And it, it kind of, it didn't freak me out. It just, I suddenly became very aware of it in a way that I wasn't when I started it. Cause it was just for me at the beginning. And it still is just for me, but I'm suddenly like aware of the fact that there's people that are engaging with it. Like, like they would engage a story that I wrote, you know, like Carver, like I, but even with Carver, I never really had people who I had people who liked it uh, and, and, and it resonated with them in some way, but, uh, 
it this is this all I can say is this is different. I don't know what is different about it. It's just it feels it feels different to me. And of course it's a business and uh, like a philosophy almost which is is different than a comic book or graphic novel story. But um yeah, I just ha- I still haven't put my finger on it, but that that initial like, "Oh, what is this?" question kind of loomed for a bit and freaked me out like really right after the the first drop. Uh, but I digressed as I, as I'm uh, often apt to do. So here's the story. Yesterday, uh, I got invited out. Well, Friday, I got invited to go out on Saturday to go shoot guns out in the desert by a friend from work, Nate Olson. And he's, he's also kind of been following along with code of the West. And he, I work with him at black rifle and in my mind, I'm like, well, you know, normally on Saturdays I go into the office and the weekend before I was up in Zion, which is, I did record a podcast there, which I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But, <laughs> but, uh, but I had a great weekend and on Saturday. I rode horses with my friend Haley, uh, around the rim of Zion Canyon, uh, on the, I guess it'd be on the North side, North, Northeast side. And, uh, it was amazing. I'd never ridden a horse before. And, yeah, I mean, which I'm sure probably sounds funny to those of you who are listening and know what Code of the West is meant to be about. Like that, the guy who created is drawing horses and cowboys all the time has never been on a horse, but it just wasn't in the cards. It's the same reason why I never really learned how to ski or snowboard as a kid. You know, when it was mom and me, we we didn't really have any extra money for stuff like that. I mean, I mean, like we budgeted. Well, she budgeted for you know gas just going to work and back. It's part of the reason why I'd have to walk to her work in the evenings if I wanted to go hang out with her. But um, I got to ride a horse in Zion. That was amazing. I want, totally want to buy a horse now. And that's a different that's a different thing for a different day. But holy, holy shit, horses are awesome. So anyways, I was thinking like, okay, I didn't work this Saturday or that last Saturday. I should probably work this Saturday. And I don't human very well. I think I've said this before, but I, as a kid, I didn't really know how to interact with other kids, and uh, I kind of figured it out over the years. I, I definitely figured it out. I figured out how to be social, and, but as as an introvert, but I got really good at being extroverted, which is just odd. Uh, and it's just as I've gotten older, it's just it's just kind of it's pretty exhausting to be to be totally real. And so, as much as the, as much as there is going on up. The day job, it's I'm totally with it, and I'm like I'm ready to 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 run, 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 run all day and deal with what needs to be done. But when I get home or on the weekends, oof, man, I am I need to recharge the old batteries, and that's why I usually go driving on Sunday because I just that's my way that's my way of cleansing my mind basically uh, without meditating, which I do occasionally do. uh, Different podcasts though, probably than Go to the West. Uh, should talk about that, but so Nate invited me out, and I was like, well, I was and hawing about it, and I uh, it was kind of rainy, and there was even talk about not doing it if the weather was shitty, and so I was kind of hoping honestly that everybody was going to cancel just because of the weather, even though I wanted to go shoot guns, and I like I like hanging out with Nate. Uh, it's just for whatever reason, like my anxiety about it was just kind of freaking me out. And, you know, it's, it's a, it was a totally new area. It was going to be off road, which 
this is adventure. This is the kind of thing that I, I'm all about. And then we're going to go shoot guns. And I'm going to take pictures, hopefully get some Code of the West shots, which I did. And so I kind of hemmed and hawed. And I mean, I had to go into the office to grab my cameras and uh, got caught up in a cool conversation there. It was running late. And uh, I, I wasn't trying to hurry. You know, I wasn't like driving, driving, driving. But I did get to the where the road to where we were going stopped being a road basically it turned into a dirt road going through some prairies it was super cool uh i'm not going to say where it was just because i think it's kind of a secret spot (laughs) but uh it was it was outside it wasn't super far outside of the edge of town in the sense of mileage but the, the interesting thing about salt lake city and the greater salt lake area like you know, these towns like Provo and Ogden and Lehigh is that like once you hit the edge, it's like you're, you're done. There's <laughs> there's like like some like a lot of cities, it kind of trickles off and then then you pick back up to the next town and it's like, nah. It, <laughs> once once you go to the edge of one of these towns, either to the east or to the west, it's like desert or mountain, basically. And I, I will say enough that we were on the desert side of things. Desert-ish, so high desert prairie kind of vibe. So we're going through, I'm going through in the Tacoma, open pasture, going through some cattle gates, but it's a pretty, it's just a dirt road at this point. And uh, as I'm getting closer to the spot, I'm getting like maybe at this point about two miles away from where I'm meeting up with NATO. It's starting to get pretty boggy. Like it, it, it you know, things have been thawing out out there and I'm seeing the mud and I've never been out this way before I've, I've, I've driven up into the mountains now, um, kind of in the Uintas and over on the uh, Eastern side of Salt Lake and South. But I, this is the first time I've been, I kind of gave, gave it away a little bit, but I'm on the other side. Um, and so I'm just kind of trying to pay attention and I'm trying to take the, the high line when I can in the truck and, uh, not, you know, not right in the, in the gutter basically. And I get within about like 1.7 miles of where I'm going. And I can't even tell you why I thought the route that I went was the right route. But what I ended up doing is just just driving into what I can only describe as a bog of viscous mud that's basically of the consistency of wet concrete. And uh, I got stuck, stuck. Like not like kind of slipping... I mean, fucking stuck. And the whole time, the funny thing too is the whole time I'm like, okay, just gotta gotta keep my my momentum, gotta keep my you know keep my eyes open. Don't go too fast, but don't go too slow. Just don't get stuck in the mud. I mean, that's all I was thinking about driving there was don't get stuck in the mud. Mud. And not only do I get stuck in the mud, I get stuck in the worst fucking puddle of mud that you could, you can imagine. And also like after having, you know, before and after having gotten out of this, I can tell you it was in fact the worst spot on this. Uh, well, at this point it's less a dirt road and it's more of a four wheel, four wheeler trail. And so I'm sitting there and I mean, I've got like average Idahoan gear with me. So I've got like water, I've got ammo, uh, <laughs> you know, clearly cause I've got the guns with me. And I've got like a Pulaski for digging and I mean, but it's, I don't have, I'm not like an overlander. Like I know some people are really into the overlanding thing. 
I'm kind of more inclined to get some of that equipment now after this experience, but I don't have any traction boards. I don't have a winch, but I mean, it wouldn't have helped me. I was in the middle of a prairie where there was literally nothing to tie off to. And, and so I'm, I'm just kind of like chilling there. And whenever shit like this happens to me, I, I almost immediately go into a flow state. Like I don't really panic, but I get real focused real fast. And that's totally what happened in this scenario. And, and I'm like, okay, I have one of the most capable four wheel drive vehicles you can purchase. It's a 2013 Toyota Tacoma TRD sport. Uh, I should be able to get out of this. So I open the door and I get out and like, I just sink. I, I sink down into mud. That's, that's probably, I go probably about nine, 10 inches down into it. I'm like, well, I'm fucked uh, before I even walk around the truck. And I mean, like I am, it's like a perfectly Tacoma sized, just quicksand bog basically that I'm in. And I'm looking around and I'm, and I'm just like, holy shit. Like I, I do not want to like leave this truck out here. I don't like, I try to call NATO thinking maybe he had a toe strap, but like, I'm just thinking like, this is a self rescue situation. Like this is, I'm, there's just no way. I am getting out of here unless I do it myself. And so I'm looking in the back of the truck to see what I have. And there's not much there is, there's like black rifle shipping boxes that I'd, I'd scooped that had been, <laughs> they'd already been used. They weren't new, um, that I was just kind of saving. I've just been grabbing boxes <laughs> when I find them <laughs> for shipping. So if anybody got code of the West stuff and black rifle boxes, that's why. Uh, <laughs> but I'm sitting there. I'm like, well, I don't have, I don't have traction boards. I'm going to probably have to rock my way out of this, you know? And I don't mean that like in a rock and roll way. I mean, like literally rock the truck back and forth. I mean, there's really no go. There's no good option here. Like, I mean, like I'm in, I'm in wet cement basically. And I've got a manual on the Tacoma, which I'm pretty sure is the only reason why uh, this worked. But and then I've got, I can lock the rear differential on the, on that Tacoma as well. So put some cardboard down after dug it out a little bit. And then, you know, behind the truck, cause I'm like looking the way forward and looking the way backward. I'm like, well, it's a shorter, shorter jaunt backwards in a lower gear anyways, uh, to, to get out of this thing, I think. And, uh, so I'm about like five minutes in at this point, maybe five, 10, now I'm about 10 minutes in. And I'm like, all right, time to do this thing. And I'm I, like the whole time I've been like, you know, I'm jumping out. I got mud up to my, you know, past my ankles and on my calves, jump back into the truck. I'm not, I'm not giving a shit about how dirty I am, how, I mean, like literally like when I say up to my calves and mud, I don't mean like, oh, I got some marks on there. I mean, like I'm weighed down by a uniform covering of mud uh, from like the bottoms of my boots up to my calves. So I'm back in the truck and I'm going to, I'm I, first, I just try to see if like, for some fucking reason I can just back out on the cardboard, knew it was going to happen, but I thought I'd give it a shot and wasn't working. And so I'm, I'm like, just the way I went into this thing, I like, I went into like a foot of, of this cement mud. 
so I'm like, I'm like, I'm in this, my own rut, basically. Like I, there's no, like, I'm just in this swimming pool. And so I start with the manual, basically rocking it from reverse to first, reverse to first while feathering the clutch each time I get into the gear. And I'm, while I'm rocking, I'm trying to go sideways. And I don't know why I try to do this because I don't think that anybody's ever taught me to do this, but I was like, man, I'm, I can't go out the same way I came in. Cause I've already, I've already gotten rid of that possibility. I've squashed all that mud down. I've got to try to find some kind of, um, I, I didn't hold out for ground, but like some, something that's just packed or thick enough that I can just get some traction, get some momentum. So I, over minutes rocking back and forth, I'm, I'm slowly twit, like not twisting the frame, but I'm, reorienting the truck you know basically about like i think if you're looking if you're looking south i probably reoriented uh probably about 10 degrees to the east and kept doing this and in my head i'm like this is gonna work this is absolutely gonna work i have to get this to work like there was never this moment where i was thinking to myself oh shit I don't know what I'm going to do here. Like, I'm like, this has to work. And like the panic was kind of in the back. Like it's always there, even though like no one's going to die. This scenario is, I mean, I'm people were in the area. Like I could have walked five miles back or I could have walked two miles. Well, what I would have done is walked the the 1.7 miles to the spot where NATO was at and then have him drive me back and pull me out. Basically there were options, but even still, I was like, nah, I'm going to figure this out. I got this. And I just, and I also was just waiting to feel that traction catch. And lo and behold, I felt it. Like, I felt it going forward, which really surprised me. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. And I just stuck with it, got a little, got a little hard and, and kind of accelerated a little bit more than I should have probably, or felt like I should, because you're not really, you're not, you don't want to spin your tires and, uh, and uh and mud like that and just whoop and i got out all of a sudden and that was when like the panic and the anxiety that i (laughs) like had been vaguely aware of came rushing up and the adrenaline dumped and i was like oh my god i can't believe i got out of this thing and i took some pictures and i mean it looks ridiculous i I posted some pictures on the code of the west instagram uh yesterday but i mean it's just it's just dumb it's ridiculous and totally shouldn't have gotten out of this thing um but and so that I finally figured out where NATO and DJ were and uh, had a had a fun little afternoon. I was able to they were able to walk me in on my uh, I have a AR pistol with a red dot and uh, somehow NATO was able to walk walk me in on a steel target 400 yards out. And on my third shot, I was able to hit steel with that thing with zero magnification and a 10 inch barrel. So kudos to nato because i cannot believe that i made that shot i can barely even see the target it's crazy uh actually i'm very proud of that uh (laughs) but the point of the mud story um and why it kind of got me thinking about how i was going to approach the podcast in a way that i think that i that seemed genuine finally so metaphorically speaking i've been stuck in the mud (laughs) for the past got on basically a month almost to the day since the drop on February 7th which is kind of crazy to think about 
So there was a lot of momentum leading up to that in a short period of time and people helping me out, people dropping a dime on Instagram and spreading the word. I was talking to a lot of people and this is also this is the lead up to the the public offering at Black Rifle. So it kind of it was busy, but it was sort of planned, you know, so like I kind of knew where my resources needed to go on that and so I was able to peel off some time, do some Code of the West stuff leading up to it in my free time, and then um, kind of get ready. And there was a lot to talk about. It was new. And the podcast, I mean, was just, I've wanted to do a podcast for years. And I've had friends suggest the idea, not not as a money-making scheme, excuse me, but just just to do it. You know, they, they thought I'd be good at it. And I always felt like I kind of thought I'd be good at it, too, for some reason. And so when we were, when I, when we, uh, there is no we, it's just me in my apartment, but it feels like there's a we here. When I started Code of the West or when I decided to to go forward with it, I just, in my mind, I'm like, well, it probably wouldn't hurt to do a podcast. That's as much thought as went into it. It, I mean, it wasn't, and that's the irony. I think a lot of people start a podcast and then start selling stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm going to try to sell some stuff. So a podcast probably can't hurt. And and so, at, I guess at first, to me, they were intertwined. And, and they obviously still are. It's still the Code of the West podcast. But, you know, really quickly, when I just started talking, it became more than just talking about, well, from the beginning, it was more than just cowboys and commerce. I mean, that's, that's part of it. But I really, I, I felt this need and this desire to kind of tell people who I was mainly just so people understood, like, I'm not a phony. I'm not this guy pretending to be a cowboy. That was the main reason why, at the beginning, I wanted to talk about myself, was just so people knew that I wasn't trying to be the guy in the art, in the philosophy of what I was portraying. And But but what threw me off or threw me for a loop was that that was kind of what people responded to. So I don't know if this makes sense to you, but, like, like my plan wasn't even a plan. I, I figured I would eventually figure out what the Code of the West podcast was going to be about, and it wasn't going to be about me. And it was going to be mostly me, people, me interviewing people, which I still want to do that. But the ones that seem to resonate with people are the ones where I'm just kind of talking shit about myself, and <laughs> that that's not really a plan either. And that was definitely not planned. It was it, like I said, it was just this. Hey, here's some context to the guy who's like trying to, you know, sell you shirts and stuff, uh, which clearly, as I've said before, there's more to it than that. But, you know, but also it's partly that. And so when people were responding to it, and I haven't, I, I haven't even, my anxiety about this has been so high, I haven't even been able to look and see how much, how much people have been listening to the previous episodes. Uh, I don't even think I'm going to look at that for a while, honestly. Like, I love data. I love looking at data and and uh, key performance indicators, but this one I'm I, I don't know why this really wigged me out, uh, and that's that's just me being honest. Like this is the kind of like the kind of feeling that I have or have had about this is like when I've been like dirt ass poor and I know that I'm like just waiting for uh, a bill that's going to tell me that my power is getting shut off in like a week. That's the kind of feeling. I don't know if anybody, any of you, ever had that feeling, but um, 
that's a consequence of trying to be a cartoonist in your 20s and you're trying to do the right thing. Uh, well, the right thing by you as in like pursue your dreams, but um, you're fucking poor. So shit like that happens or you have to go ask your mom to turn your power back on, uh, you know, and pay you back, pay her back later. Uh, it's that level of anxiety. And I don't know how it got that way. It, it just got there. And and I I know again it probably sounds super funny to people because I'm like the whole point of this is to get people to buy in to what I'm doing, but I really thought it was just going to be I don't want to say superficial, but like but directed and not a, not really concerning me, you know, directed towards the brand, directed towards the um, just the concept, and uh, like. So uh, on the flip side of that, thanks for all the positive feedback from people. And thank you for the accountability from people like James Nance, who are like, where's the next podcast? You know, like, and, and there's been a number of people that have been asking me. And and please, by all means, do that more if I get back into this weird groove thing again, where I'm just like, I'm stuck in the mud, which I don't know if everybody understood. That's why I told that story. But, you know, because I'm kind of a storyteller. But... <laughs> But I mean, I thought it, it was like one of those things that where like something happens in your life and you're like, oh, this is a total learning moment in a lot of ways. And this is a lot to think about. And I think that that's, you know, that's kind of one of the things that I'm t- I talk about with Code of the West. It's, it's this idea that you're always learning. You're always going to be humbled by nature and the world. And but at the same time, though, that there is no quit. You know, like there just isn't. And it's funny, too, because I was thinking about this. So with my dad and the truck, my dad always drove big trucks. Like if you're at all familiar with with semi trucks, my dad drove a Kenworth W900 in some shape or form for uh, most of the time that he was on the road when I was a kid. Uh, They ranged with well, they had sleepers and they ranged from you know, 110 to 120 inches, and they'd have to stretch the frame of these trucks in order to get these sleepers on there. So this is a big truck. So a longer frame, and he always drove a 53-foot trailer. So this is this this is bigger than a normal truck is what I'm getting at. And I'd be with him in the summer times, and, you know, I, we, especially on the East Coast and stuff, you'd get these really weird places you'd have to deliver to where you'd have to, like, pull out onto a main road, back the truck into a service road, and then somehow flip, like get the truck to back in at a 45 degree angle to the one dock that's next to a wall or something. And, and everybody would, you know, my dad would come out and look at it and everybody like, Oh, you can't get that big truck back there. We can't even get guys with cab over to back up into this thing. Like you're never gonna get that big truck in there. And my dad would just look at him like, Oh, just watch me. And not only would he do it, he would always do it on the first try. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I remember a couple of times where he'd just get back in the truck and be like, watch this. And he'd, and he'd go and do it. And now, it wouldn't be super fast always, but, I mean, he would he would know. He he was just, he'd done it so much and had practiced so much that he knew exactly what he was doing. Now, on the flip side, so 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 Dad was, there's there's basically, there's no way I can't get in. Dan, on the flip side, was there's no way I'm not getting out. Like So there were times where... I'd be with Dan and we would be out four wheeling or something or dirt biking or on an old road just in his Ford or something. And 
if you got stuck somewhere, you know, or you got into this precarious situation, there was never a scenario where you you just walked out. Like I like I wasn't here for this one, but this is one of the best examples of this. He was with a, a friend from Northern Idaho, and um, my parents have a like a razor, one of those Polaris razors. He, my stepdad got like the really fast razor that's kind of narrow and um, uh, well, wheelbase is narrow, I should say. And he was, and he does this thing with flatlanders, as he calls them, <laughs> where he tries to scare the shit out of people in the razor, which has led to like the razor flipping over a few times. But that's a, again different story, different day. And I, I think they were somewhere. We have like some railroad tracks not super far away from the house, and they got kind of high centered or something like on. If you've ever seen like railroad tracks out in the middle of nowhere, the the tracks are built up usually like onto a mound almost, and they they kind of got like stuck between a fence and in this mound and in in the ass end of the razors kind of hanging over the the rail uh the rails and this is a pretty high traffic uh uh rail line cuz it's up in northern idaho and it's like the line in and so <laughs> my, so like my my stepdad's buddy was super concerned that there was like a back to the future 3 moment and Dan's like, no, 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 we'll get this out. And basically, I'm still not 100% sure how the science works here. But the way he explained it was he somehow, like, was able to back the the razor up. And then the, 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 the friends stood on the fence line and he was able to kind of yeet it over the fence as a train was coming. You'd have to have Dan tell the story, uh, which at some point I will take, I will take all the podcast gear back up to Northern Idaho the next time I visit and, and likewise back to Ohio. So I can kind of get some testimonials from everybody. But uh, like basically Dan's very big on, Oh, I'm in, I'm in, I'm impossibly stuck. Well, I will figure this shit out. In a, and not only with like the tools that he has, he, he, he if you if you ever needed something, my stepdad has every imaginable tool. Like we own, they own a construction company, him and my mom, and like he's the guy that has specialized stuff. They got a woodworking shop at the house, just like literally everything. But whenever we get stuck somewhere, it's almost as if he's like intentionally trying to MacGyver it, where he he go he goes out with like no tools. Like we would get, he would, well, just so many stories, but like basically you, 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 you get yourself out of the situation with whatever you have on hand. And, and so when, as I was sitting in the mud there and, and trying to get out, I was thinking about both those, both Dan and my, and my dad about kind of like, okay, the, the, this makes a whole lot of sense. Like why I'm this way, because I've, I've been in these situations many times where I'm like, I'm fucked. Like there's, you know, usually like a physical thing, like, you know, like a physical impediment or something. Um, but like, I will figure this out somehow. Like, and that's, that's my default, you know, and it's not just Dan and dad. It's my mom. It's my grandpa, both my grandpas. I mean, a lot of the people that I've, I've grown up with are, have this, this don't quit can do attitude. And I think that's a very old school blue collar thing. Like, you don't have the option to call a tow company because you don't have the money to pay a tow company. So like 
you're going to figure that shit out. Even if it, t- if, even if it takes like walking home, getting 12 people and pushing like a, a truck five miles, you know, like they're, you're going to do it that way. There, there isn't, it's, it's like when people talk about like, Oh, there's no way they could have built the pyramids, you know, without aliens. It's like, man, if you have, uh, you know, millions of slaves, uh, it's inconceivable to think that anybody would force someone to push a gigantic rock across the desert. But if you have zero, you know, zero issues with destroying people and, and forcing them into labor, well, then that's how that's one way you could possibly do it, actually. Um, so, so as I relate this back to Code of the West as an entity, it, I never, I haven't given up on it at all. Like, it, it's funny, too, because after, after the day job going public, and I, I don't want to talk too specifically about stuff, because I actually can't talk too specifically about stuff now, but it, it was really inspiring to see all that go down and, and to have known that it was going down for the, the year and a half leading up to it while I've been in, in Salt Lake City and to have been able to contribute somehow to the value of the company that, that went public was a cool feeling, but also just knowing the guy who started it and being able to talk to him and, and understand kind of the underlying context. It was pretty amazing to think that eight years ago, which doesn't feel like a very long time to me now at this age, eight years ago that, you know, that guy is in his garage and it's it's not working. It's not it's not going to happen. And he he just doesn't quit. He he makes one more phone call. He sends one more message on Facebook, and he meets a couple of guys. And that's the thing that changes the game. And then eight, eight only eight years later, he's at the New York Stock Exchange, giving a speech in the boardroom, about to ring the bell, about to sign the wall. And it's just it's kind of hard not to be inspired by that. And and it's. It, it kind of flips it it flipped a switch in my head a little bit and that's also part of the reason why I didn't really know how to come back to this honestly in that suddenly I, I this went from being like oh I want to make this work code of the west that is I want to make it work I want to make sure I don't lose money to being like oh this is this is not this is this is going better than black rifle did eight years ago now I'm not saying that's a reason that it, I'm not saying that like I'm gonna be doing black rifle numbers anytime soon. Nor is that the goal. What I'm saying is is that everything starts somewhere, and if, and you know that logically. I know that rationally. That that nothing starts in a vacuum, and it just starts with one small step. But you get you when you see other people's stories, the origin story kind of gets glossed over because it's usually really awkward. It's slow. There's hits and misses. There, it, it's not it's not as sexy as as compartmentalizing it, you know, over the course of, uh, you know, a three act structure or by year, you know, and condensing it, and and so, I, I suddenly felt more of a weight and responsibility behind it is the best way I can put it, especially with the people giving me the positive feedback on things and telling me how much they liked it, and also. Once again, this is going to sound like just so silly, but it was when I started seeing people sending me photos back about, well, wearing the stuff and, and, and having it out and uh, asking when the next podcast was going to be. People telling me that they, I mean, some people were going so far as to saying like, you know, 
it seemed as though they had found a group of people, you know, to belong to. And I just wasn't prepared for that. And it's been, it's been a bit of a rewire in the past month because of that. I did the second drop and I didn't even really know how to do that well because I, I, I had this, it, was, it wasn't just anxiety. It was just sort of like anxiousness about what I was doing where I went through the motions of it. You know, I, I, I did the little poll. I got people to vote on it and uh, I announced it like a week ahead of time. And then, and then the Ukraine stuff popped off, like the, the, basically the day that we did the drop. And, and I, so I felt really, I felt really weird trying to, in what in my mind feels like hawking, you know, uh, my wares. I think it's more than that, but, you know, I, I think, I don't think World War Three is going to happen. I don't think, I don't, I don't want to get into the politics. I'm, I'm surprise, surprise. I'm not, I'm not an expert in geopolitical, uh, uh, turmoil and policy, but I'm just saying that like, I think everything's going to be okay in the end, but it just felt super weird to try to gain people's attention at the start of that, you know, and there's going to always be things going on in the world. You know, a, a good earnest business shouldn't shut down and, and stop their livelihood just because there's other things happening in the world. I'm not saying that. It just for myself at the time with everything, everything I'm telling you about what was going on in my head, like it just it wasn't so clear already. And so why why continue to muddle the water? So, you know, there's I'm going to I'm going to keep making things and I'm going to keep doing the drops. I'm going to reevaluate the way I do them. You know, I think that I might do more like a couple days ahead of time and just be like, hey, this is what's coming. You know, this is going to be here Thursday. I wish I could do it like once a week or, or, you know, once every two weeks and maybe I'll get there. But it's just kind of. I've been trying different things. Some of you might have noticed that I did I did a, a, a pre-sale on the uh, Grandpa's Cafe hats. I had a few people order them. If you're listening, uh, I'll be placing that order this week. Uh, the, the 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 Blaze Orange hats that dropped, like I sold about a third of them. I'm hoping that we sell out of them. Not not because like I need the money, just but because I thought <laughs> Sean at at Brigade who printed the hats he just was being cool and sent a, like a golden hat, an extra hat that I, I didn't even pay for. And he's like, Hey, you know what? This could be kind of a cool thing to do. And, uh, and I was like, yeah. And the cool thing was, uh, you know, basically do a raffle for the, the yellow hat and whoever gets the yellow hat gets something. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll do, you know, whoever, for all the people who buy the blaze orange hats, when it's, when they're all gone, I'll put everybody's name in a hat pull it out and that person gets the golden hat and a $50 gift certificate. And so that was what I was telling everybody leading up to it. And I still stand by that. I'll still do that when they sell out. But, you know, it, once again, I, I like, I think it's a valid thing. I think it's fun, but it also, I don't know, like it just, it felt a little schemey or something like once the Ukraine stuff happened, I, cause it was just kind of like a little game you know, that I was playing and that's why I wanted to do it. I just thought it'd be fun. I still think it would be fun, 
and uh you know and i will i will do it i think we will eventually sell out of those hats um but i uh my 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 main thing with this whole code of the west stuff is i i want to be earnest and i want to i want to inspire people strangely i i want i want people to know that there's other people out there that think and feel the same similar or the same about these kinds of concepts of being good and being earnest and being american even if, you know, we haven't always lived up to the, those ideals, well, especially because we haven't always lived up to those ideals, they're good ideals, and it's no reason to not still strive for them. And I, I want to strive for them. I want to try to conquer my fears and my anxieties. I want to inspire people, you know, and, I, and, and from what I understand, also part of what freaked me out a little bit, I have kind of inspired people to go take a chance on podcasts and doing their own thing. And because I got some feedback on that in the past couple of months. And um, sorry, is my notes. I actually wrote notes out for this. So it's a little less rambly. <laughs> but <clears throat> I also kind of want to say, I, I don't want anybody to try to be like me. And what I mean there is that I, I've I've almost weaponized learning for myself since I was a kid. You know, if I didn't understand something, I went, I'd keep a list of things actually as a little kid that I would go and look up at the library uh, on, you know, especially in the summer times. I do that a lot when, my, when I was at Grandma and Grandpa Rayleigh's. I'd walk three miles to the, to, the, to the library and stay there all day. And sometimes I'd check out books, but for the most part, I'd just stay and read about topics that I liked. Then the Internet 2.0 came along and whew, off to the races, man. You know, documentaries, YouTube articles it's it's hard to to not just be trying to download all the kung fu all the time and so on top of that you know i've bent my existence i mean really it it feels like i've always been this way i know i know in my 20s like once i decided to do comics that was when that was when it really popped off like that was when I got real serious about it because prior to that, all of what I'm talking about, you know, through my childhood and junior high and high school, it was, you know, just try to solve a problem. There's no quit, you know, sort of thing. So if I wanted to try to figure out how to make a comic when I was 15, I was just trying to learn from whatever resources I could find, which typically meant books at that time. And uh, so I was just taking notes. I was trying to, I was trying everything I possibly could get my hands on to learn how to to tell stories. I was taking playwriting classes at the Idaho Theater for Youth. I was uh, doing creative writing classes at school. I would read all the time. I'd write all the time. We were making videos in video class. I was trying to draw comics in art class. And, you know, I was having fun and I enjoyed doing all that stuff. But, you know, it, and it's funny too, because I think a lot of people in my family kind of thought I was fucking off for, for a lot, a lot of my time. And, and I get that from what it would look like because I was having fun doing all this stuff. But I've always been super serious, like deadly serious about learning as much as I can. And so even with what I took in to go to the West with me was like little niblets of things that I've learned over the past 10 years, especially, you know, like as things emerged that I was hoping would emerge. Like I remember 
not having a great website, but but needing to put one up um, in a, around 2006. And I think my first website was a WordPress blog. And uh, I kept saying to myself, man, it would be so amazing to have a website service that didn't rely on straight coding, but just worked in blocks. And I could kind of like scoot things around, have fonts at my disposal. Because I, I try to look into C++ coding, and I'm like, this is too much for me to learn just on my own to just do a website. I mean, this is something that people study years for to have a career in. I'm like, I don't have the time to do this. So I kind of just waited. And then something called Squarespace popped up. You know, not that I invented Squarespace, but it's like, you know, that there was a need there. If I had known how to code, I probably should have just made Squarespace and not a website for my comic book business. But, you know, I was looking, I was looking for things to emerge that could help me always uh, doing the comic book thing because my entire experience in comics happened at the explosion of Internet 2.0 and social media. So I was jumping on Flickr and Twitter really early. I don't use either one of those now, especially Twitter. I think I think Twitter is just toxic, toxic, toxic. I just cannot, I will not, I will not engage with that. It's the first and only social media platform account that I have had and that I deleted and I wholesale. Like I can't get it back. I had quite a few followers on there too. But, you know, I was always looking for these emerging tools that could help make my job as a self-promoter and a, a self-employed person a little bit easier. And and so when when everything assembled accidentally for Code of the West, there there was a lot of information that I had already dipped my toes in enough that I could, had, with a few a bit of guidance from people like Zach and Charles, you know, like I could I could figure out like, oh, this is what Shopify is. Well, I've seen a an e-com back of house before. This makes a lot of sense. I've done websites, a little bit of website stuff on Squarespace, can port a domain. I can do a little bit of editing format. Cool. I think I can get this thing going by myself. Well, relatively so. And and so I'm I'm this is like my uh I guess, disclaimer with the whole I want to inspire people thing. I I want to inspire people to be good. I want to inspire people to never quit, to have the confidence of my dad, to just know that I can, you know, you can pull that hoss in there, and the confidence of Dan to know that you can get it out however <laughs> you're going to manage it with, you know, paperclip and gum. But don't put the expectation on yourself to be to know everything you need to know straight out the gate and also understand that uh, I think a lot of the keys to success are, is, is the accumulation of the knowledge. Now, if you have unlimited money, you can go and hire the people with the knowledge. I don't think that's going to be most of us though. It's uh, certainly not me. I, I've, I did it the freebie way, which is just listen and ask a shit ton of questions over years. And, and so that was part of the reason why I was able to do it the way that I have. So like, if you are inspired to go and start your own thing, please, by all means, I, I, I am encouraging you to do that. Now, being successful at it, I don't even know what that looks like right now for myself. Uh, something I need to define. I need to define my guiding principles for myself. Because I mean, I know we have the code, but that's that's the that's the thing. That's the the that's the brand. 
I need to be able to guide myself in shepherding that. And so that's why I need my, I, I need guiding principles. I need my mission statement still. And I need to work those things out. And Charles, yeah, if you're listening, I, I know I need to do it still. <laughs> but, you know, there's, I, I wish, this is going to sound funny. I wish I, it had not gone as well as it had because that's a different kind of problem to solve. And that's a problem that I understand. Uh, having to navigate a, a pretty un, uh, let me, let me try to find the right words for this. There wasn't a lot of resistance to what I, to, to me starting code of the West. It was quite the opposite, which thank you all, because that's the reason why it happened. And I, I love having this in the back of my mind now. And, and I'm, and I want to try to build what I was getting caught up with post first drop getting inspired by Evan and sort of trying to plan the next steps forward, I got caught up, I think, in just the mechanics of trying to sell things, which I still want to do. But I, and this is why I need the mission statement of the guiding principles, because of this inspiration component and the earnestness, I want to do things for people. You know, I, I want something that Evan talks about a lot at, at work, in, and also, you know, in interviews and that kind of thing. But, you know, the brown water pays for the bills that helps him be able to set up things like the, you know, BRCC fund that is the 501c3 that, you know, gives back to adaptive athletes and uh, LEO charities. And, you know, it does all this good for the work, not, not, not to mention employ people, myself included, you know, give people the chance to have a different kind of life than they might have had otherwise. And even though I'm less than small, I'm barely a speck in anything right now. I'm trying to figure out, I want to, I want to focus more on doing things for people than, than just trying to sell things right now and just keep, I guess, keep getting the message out, the code, you know, live with courage, keep your word, I want, I want those, that's what I want in the world. I, I, the hats, the shirts, that's the, that's the, that's the bat signal. You know, that's the, that's the, that's the nod, like I said before, but it's, it's more about like putting those little billboards out as reminders. If I could just pay and hand them to people and they liked it, I I would do that. But I, I don't have that ability. I've got to, I've got to basically sell the stuff for us to be able to sort of have those wink, wink, nudge, nudge things. But one of the, one of the ways back to this or the way I, I want to start off doing this is, uh, I'm going to do a, an old school rodeo poster for, uh, an, uh well, for, uh, a veteran, um, what am I trying to say here? Uh, it's, it's another veteran charity. It's, it's called bear hug cattle company and it's, started by a guy named Ben Minden, who is a former army ranger who's from New Jersey, uh, actually. And he, he learned how to be a cowboy while he was serving. And after he got out, he thought that, well, he found a lot of peace and catharsis in it. And so he started Bear Hug Cattle Company as a way to help people that were leaving military service and teach them if they wanted to how to basically be ranchers and cowboys 
And I, you'd have to ask him to know the exact numbers, but it's I know it's a 10-week intensive that he puts on every year now. And I want to say it's with like 10, 10 veterans. And and so the, the what they're doing this year for the first time is they're going to have a ranch rodeo. It's not like a full-fledged like PBR thing, but it's going to be like uh, team stuff, I think. I think like roping, roping events of some kind sorting you know that kind of thing it's it's not the riding bulls and bronx thing but it's still fun and it's still a little it's still a rodeo and it's gonna be up in ennis montana um gosh i should probably look up the dates um so it'll be in august i know that Uh, i'm just gonna look it up while i'm talking real quick um let's see here that is yeah let's see old bear hug What do we got? What do we got? Yep. Okay. So it is, it is going to be August 6th in Ennis, Montana, 5 p.m. Signups begin and the radio starts at 7. The events are team doctoring, team sorting, trailer loading, and something called the Pony Express, which I don't know. They are going to have buckles for first place and a $400 purse. Second place is saddle pads. Third place is uh, some pretty awesome waxed cotton ropes. So the four-person teams, there's so there's 10 maximum teams that can sign up of four people. Uh, and it's a $100 entry per person. And the, uh, the goal here is to raise $100,000 for the operating costs uh, for the next year, which, you know... It's kind of amazing that he can even do what he's doing for a hundred grand. So I don't, I mean, he's not, I'm not, I can't imagine he's even making, he's, this is probably all just the, all the money is going to, to help teach people. Cause I, that's not a lot of money to, <laughs> to, I mean, granted you're teaching people how to live outside for the most part and in rough conditions, but hundred thousand dollars isn't, isn't as much as you would think. And so I'm going I'm doing the, I'm actually working on the poster right now. I'm I'm pretty far into it. I'm probably going to rework the overall concept, but the illustrations pretty much there. I want it to kind of be early 20th century kind of vibe. And and the goal so it's a po- it'll be a poster and as he is able to accrue real sponsors, not just Code of the West, he you know will be will there'll be a space for it on the poster and uh the the goal is also to be able to kind of like show this to people and get it you know help help generate some some buzz for for him while he's going out and trying to get some some donations from people and i'm also trying to figure out a way to i think it well i'm trying if i can help him you know i think it'd be cool to sell posters at the event to try to raise some money and uh you know help him out that way so I'm I'm donating my services to to do the poster and I'm I felt kind of weird asking for anything in trade but I I did I, I went against my normal nature to just quietly do things in the background and I'm super excited because uh, <laughs> my I'm gonna have a Code of the West an arena poster and I'm gonna have an arena poster with just the logo on it which probably sounds silly but to me it makes me really excited because it seems like that's uh seems like making it official. Like it's like, it's real at that point. And uh, to, to be able to be even a small business and try to help 
somebody and and sponsor in a small way makes me feel really good. And that that kind of set me back on the path, or I guess put me on the path for what I want Code of the West to be. Like I want, I keep saying it, but I want it to mean something. I don't want it to just be some lifestyle brand for for people to kind of you know maybe take a second glance at but you know not not really engage with I I I want it to be kind of like a movement almost Uh, I don't I'm that's just the best way I can I can think of it it's it's I think it's it's there's something in in this to me you know about kind of reminding ourselves of who we used to be or who we used to want to be, maybe is a better way of putting it. Because the code, you're going to fall short. I'm going to fall short. There's no way to to be perfect. But I think I think we used to want to try more than we do, like collectively as a as a as a culture and as a as a country. And I think that I think a lot of us feel pretty beat up right now. And and it's not just that too. I think I think. I think culturally we just haven't had as much emphasis upon some of the things that I've been talking about. And I think maybe it was necessary to, you know, you, a lot of the things that I've, you know, I've talked about in the past, like manners and taking your hats off and, and, you know, the can't quit attitude. When you take them for granted, you don't know how valuable they are. And I think maybe, maybe these things slipped away because they were taken for granted and and maybe people didn't understand why they existed to begin with, and so that was part of the reason why they just they just got dipped. You know, nature is kind of like you know uh, markets. It, the things that the things that people want tend to survive, and the things that they don't want tend to fade away. And I don't think that any of the things that we're talking about went anywhere. I think it has everything to do with our us as individuals. If you want them to exist, they will exist. If you want honesty, you can go out into the world yourself and be honest. There's there's no reason why you can't. And now don't be surprised if the rest of the people you're interacting with don't feel the same way. But keep being a shining example. You know, keep keep walking the walk and talking the qu- keep walking the walk and talking the talk. And you know, maybe over time people will pay attention and and they'll maybe want to agree with you or at least you know, understand where you're coming from, but it's definitely on us. You know, it, it's not like all the things that we used to care about and want to represent just went up in smoke one day. It's just these slow little erosions of things. It's like not tucking your shirt in every day. If that's something that you used to do, it's not tipping your hat to people as you see them on, or saying, just saying hi to strangers like you used to do. Uh, you know, people talk about these things changing all the time, but you know we're we're we also are the ones that stop doing it. So I don't really like I don't see any sort of arbiter of culture that makes unilateral decisions and says okay all right everybody you know we're gonna stop waving at our neighbors and everybody's like oh well you know I kind of want to it's like they don't put it up for a vote you know it's it's like you just if you want to wave you wave if you don't you don't so. A lot of this is on us, and, and you know, and that's kind of a probably rough thing to say, but to me, it's it's it makes it real simple, and 
and then it makes me kind of lit up because it makes it real simple to 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 sort to start sorting out. It just means representing who you want to see in the world, being that person, and and then just teach if you have kids. I mean, I I don't have kids. I've, I've <laughs> I to my knowledge, uh, it's it's about teaching the next generation. Though I'd imagine. I mean, I the only thing I could think of being a parent aside from just surviving for the first little bit there is, you know, teaching like, you know, everybody that I ever grew up with did. And granted I had people around me, you know, so that was, that was something that uh, was a gift more than some have. And then, and on top of that, the majority of the people that I was around wanted to see me succeed in life. And And I realized not everybody gets that, but if you're listening to this, I can tell you for a fact that there are, uh, there are a number of people that agree with this and would help you um, because they've, they've talked to me about it. And, you know, I don't know what, if I don't know what that would look like or how, how do you coordinate that? But I'm just, I can just tell you that there are other people that would support people who want to work hard and want to be good. So, so know that, that those 1,649 other people on Instagram for the most part seem to seem to agree. And, you know, if you're looking for someone to have a conversation with about these things, rather than just listen to me, I don't know, throw a dart, a virtual dart at somebody on the, on, on the, uh, following list on, on Instagram. Cause, uh, it's, it's a thing there. It's not just, it's not just you and it's not just me. It's, it's more than a, it's more than just a couple of people. And I think that there's a lot more out there and that gives me hope. It, it encourages me. And, uh, you know, it encourages me to keep this thing going in a lot of ways because I, I don't want to be, I don't want to feel like the only way I can do this is to try to sell stuff or to, to just draw stuff all the time. Because I'm, I'm going to, that was another thing too, is I, I felt kind of weird. I lost momentum a little bit, the momentum that I had there in the first month because I slowed down on the drawings. It's partly because I physically couldn't keep up with it. I, I. I was super excited and, and myopic and <laughs> was able to crank out a lot of art in a short period of time. But, uh, damn did that between that and, and the, and the IPO, it, it kind of beat me up a little bit and I kind of needed to step back for a second. And I, I, I hope, you know, if <laughs> here's the thing, if you're, if you're, if you, like I was saying earlier, if you're inspired by, you know, me setting Code of the West up three months ago and it not being a complete dumpster fire now. Also bear in mind to not do the things that I just described. Like if you have momentum, don't lose momentum. You should probably keep it going. However, if you are also like me, I I, I will tell you this, like everything that I've told you, I've been listening to my gut instinct about like things. I try something and I pull it back, you know, because it didn't seem right. Like I, I did the on-demand shirts for a hot minute and I was like I, I I was looking at them I was like this is pretty good but then in my head I'm like pretty good's not what I'm going for pretty good sounds like something you say when you're like that's eh, good enough to make some money off of good should be yeah I'm proud of this and I and I realized I wasn't super proud of it so I pulled them and not that they're bad I just I, I just know that they could be better and then I was thinking about, you know, the podcasts. And so I, as I told you, I recorded a number of podcasts. I've, 
I can I know I know I'm gonna post this one because this one feels right. This one feels good. But I've recorded a number of other ones where I was kind of halfway there. You know, I, I kind of enough things hadn't happened yet to really fill the whole thing out. Like the one in Zion last weekend is a lot of what I'm telling you. But it was it felt now that I'm thinking about this and how I feel, like that one felt a little performative, you know, almost where it almost felt like I was saying what I thought was the right thing to say about not making the podcast. Whereas this one, after the whole getting stuck in the mud thing, I was like, I get it. I totally get it. I, I, I know how to, I know how to talk about this now. Cause it, cause that was a thing like the, the, the first, well, the first six, I think we're at, I was just talking. There was no plan. There was no, there was no, um, strategy at play. And, and as soon as I, I realize this now, but as soon as I started thinking about strategy, that was when things started feeling weird to me and they didn't feel right. And, and so, like I said, if you're trying to do it by the book and you're trying to start your own brand and and podcast and media empire and all that stuff, well then if you can get momentum, great. Hold that momentum as long as you can and keep it going. Cause when you stall out, that's when, I mean, not to mention even the algorithm and stuff, but like it, 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 kind of makes it's going to make things more difficult you know it's part of the reason why the drop on the hats probably didn't do as well as the as the first one you know but it it all kind of leads into like there's a lot of reasons for that i i felt a little bit disingenuous about it i didn't do it as i didn't do it for like a you know three weeks leading up to it like i did for the first one there was only the hats as opposed to all the different things that i dropped in that first one you know what I'm saying? So like, but I had to step back and I had to reevaluate. And the funny thing is, I've never, I've never done things the way you're supposed to do it. As much as I've learned and as and researched over the years, all these different things, I know, I know what I should have done. But I also know that I wouldn't be here if I hadn't listened to my gut. And so it's, it's, it's this weird fine line of it's kind of like understanding the rules in order to know which ones to break. I know that me pausing is not going to be the end of the world because I know myself and I know that I'm not going to quit. I know I'm going to, like, I know I'm not quitting. I'm just not, I'm not being productive in the way that's uh, visual or, or public to somebody. I knew that for the past month, I've been working on this internally to try to figure out, like, I got to figure out a way to make this seem okay to me. Like, I've, I've got to figure out what I'm doing with this thing so I can start, you know, I can find my, my own momentum again. And I knew, and it, just like when I was trying to get the truck out, I knew I was going to find it. I knew it was going to feel right. I knew I was going to just wiggle the truck out and get traction and I was going to be on solid ground again. But it's a weird thing because like that faith or that confidence in yourself, it means that like you don't 100% know how you're going to do it. You just know that you're going to, you you are going to do it. And, and this is where, this is one of those things where like, I don't want every podcast to be like, and here's the moral of the story. But the, that weird confidence that I'm talking about that of like getting into the flow state and, and just, knowing deeply in my core, like, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. 
it, it started in my childhood, like I told you, with Dan and dad and mom. And it and it it sort of just always was there. You know, it was always it it was it's a different version of you can be anything you want to be when you grow up. It's it's a much more useful version, I think, to say that like, you know, you can you can get in and you can get out. You are you are smart enough or you are tenacious enough, you are uh stubborn enough that you will you will get there. You will get there. And you trust yourself. And that doesn't mean you're not going to get messy. Doesn't mean you're not going to get hurt. Doesn't mean you're not going to be exhausted. If anything, it actually means you will get all three of those things. But but when you know that, it's not a surprise for one. And and like, I'll tell you, yesterday, and I told NATO this, I was really happy at the end, you know, when we got out, I followed him out, because <laughs> why not? Uh Followed him out. We once we got back on onto terra firma, we stopped and made sure we got everything out of each other's vehicles. And um, I snapped a picture of the Tacoma with this looming, very fast moving winter storm coming up on us. And um, he kind of apologized for luring me out into the desert, and getting me stuck. And I was like, you know what? The best part of yesterday, when I told him, I, the best part of the day was getting stuck in the mud. You know, and and it's not me being like, oh, gonna let's make lemonade from lemons. I really mean that. Like, I felt accomplished. I felt proud. I felt capable. It was what I needed. It was, it was, it was, I needed to get stuck in the mud. And, and you know, I, I don't know that everything happens for a reason, but I think that there's a purpose that can be found in anything that happens. There's, there's something to unpack. And, and that's what I, I guess you could say it shows to view the the mud sticking adventure uh as so it but it unlocked it unlocked this this anxiety and this stress and this quite looming question mark that i've had in the back of my head for a month all of a sudden it made sense like oh this is this is what the podcast is this is what code of the west is it's 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 just this thing that i'm building that just has to keep moving. My job is to keep the thing moving, to keep it, to keep people inspired, to keep people feeling like they're not alone and to try to win back the, the heart and the mind and the soul of the place that I call home, which, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be able to do that by myself, you know, um, but that is something about this that I, I I do I do think about that I really I really love where I was born, and I don't mean Ohio. I mean the United States of America, and we haven't always been perfect. In fact, nothing is perfect. But the idea that that all this kind of was founded on is probably the closest thing to a philosophical perfection as you can get. Something that's just a, it's just a, it's just a statement that essentially says that, yeah, you, you are innately you, and you have the ability to do what you, you should want to do just so far as it doesn't fuck with somebody else. And, you know, over the years, unfortunately, we've had to define, you know, 
what that means, you know, to, to, to lesser freedom for some, more freedom for others, you know, in terms of, you know, personal choices. And I'm, I'm talking like, you know, say two-way or something there. But, but the, the practical brass tacks of it is, especially at this point in time, I mean, like 2022, whether, well, regardless of your viewpoint of what three people 300 years ago thought, thought about culture, which is even more mind boggling, actually, to me that like, you could have people 300 years ago, who are, unfortunately, mired in the morality of their time, they could write a document that is untethered from morality, basically. Uh, you know, because morality tends to be subjective and, and it, it's fluid; it moves, kind of like I'm talking a few minutes ago about the idea of like, you know, if you're talking about manners and you're like, where did they go? It's like, well, people chose not to not to have them, basically, or they ch- chose not to teach somebody them or enforce them or however you want to say. It's a it's an it's a fluid thing that's always happening. So, so I I think it's important. To take an honest, to make an honest stand, maybe is a way of saying it. Like, I, I think this is the greatest place on earth to be a human. There's a lot of people who were not born here who do agree with that statement. And I'm not trying to make the whitewashed, glossed over, uh, you know, perfect scenario here. What I'm trying to say is, is that I think that there was that this this has always been an experiment. It's always been uh, the great experiment in self governance. So, just from a, a storyteller standpoint, I guess you would say, I'm not going to try to talk about politics with Code of the West, or or like I said, geopolitical, uh, you know, scenarios playing out, you know, in places like Ukraine. I don't even want to talk about two way. I don't. I mean, I, yeah, I went out and shotguns this weekend. If that bothers you, I'm sorry. Um, excuse me. I, I'm, I'm sorry that you know you feel that way. If that's enough to unfollow, okay. I, I hear you. I get you. Like, but I I'm, I just shoot guns, so just it's a thing. Um, you know, heads up. And but like I, I I would also say like I'd love to have a conversation about it if you know if if you're curious. Um, but um, I would like to, I would like to portray the person or or a code of conduct for for the best person, the best version of somebody who doesn't take it for granted that they live in in a place like this, where we don't have to worry about people deciding that they want to take what we have. A lot of times, like we're not in a situation geographically where we're surrounded by a lot of other modern nations on every border that could kind of just come in, come in and wallop us. We've, we've got Mexico and Canada, but you know, they're, we're pretty cool with everybody. And, uh, well, I mean the Southern border, I think it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a conversation there, obviously, but, uh, I guess I'm just saying that we're not worried about, uh, the organized militarization and invasion of America by Mexico right now. And, and it's pretty hard to get across the Pacific and the Atlantic without anybody knowing that you're there. So, so basically we're pretty, we're pretty safe is what I'm getting at. 
unlike these European countries, which historically have always sort of contested for each other's spaces. So, so what I'm getting at, I, I went a little bit further down the rabbit hole than I wanted to even, but what I'm getting at with what this idea of Code of the West is, is that it's not meant to be uh, 100% this like, this is what it used to be, and this is what we need to get back to. It was never perfect. Heads up. It's never perfect. Reality is gray. History is not kind. It, it, it's bad shit happens. Sometimes people talk about it. Sometimes people sweep it under the rug. Uh, it's it, it. It should be studied. I'll leave it at that. But what I'm saying is, is that just because we have the ability, actually, we because of the situation that we're in here, we have the ability to choose the types of people that we are. Sorry, I need to get a drink of water here. I didn't think this was going to go on so long. <laughs> we have the kinds of we have the ability to choose the kind of the kind of existence and the kind of people that we are here. We we all have varying starting places in life, but there is no one telling us that we have to more or less uh you know, there's there isn't one way to fit in. I guess is what I'm saying. Like, you don't have to be one political ideology. You don't have to be from one specific area of the country. You don't have to wear tennis shoes instead of boots. You know what I'm saying? Like, like there's you can you can you can basically do your thing. And the thing that I want to do, and I think I, I want to red rover with other people is, I think that there's a way to talk about being kind to each other truly not in a not in a way that just satisfies uh i don't know a hot hot button uh you know concerns of the day like i i'm i'm not really i'm not worried about tomorrow i'm worried about 10 years out you know 100 years out i i i think that i want when i say i want to be kind and earnest and honest to somebody I don't mean, I mean that it's an absolutism. Like, now, if you are an asshole and you treat people and you're like crap and you're a bully, that's a different story. But what I'm saying is, is that unless I know those things about you, I'm not going to assume those things about you. And so I'm going to treat you with respect and dignity. I don't care who you are, where you come from. Like, that's just fundamental to me. I'm an absolutist on that. And, and I, I think that that's an okay way to go through life. And I, I think that's at the end of the day, that's all that's all I'm getting getting at. And that's all I want is to is to try to help represent that and then help other people feel comfortable with that. Cause I, I think it is it's it's a little it's a little odd, you know, like or at the very least it feels odd to not talk about it, you know. Uh I I don't really have the person to talk to about like, oh man, I waved at my neighbor and nobody waved back at me. You know, like <laughs> not that I'm trying to be Andy Griffith, um, but you know, like I I don't know what this is gonna be a hundred percent. And I've said that before and clearly it was wigging me out for like a month about it. But and I'm and I'm saying more than I'll ever say about this stuff again as far as the politics and and, and philosophy and stuff. But I want I want everybody to understand that a part of this intention is definitely to not take for granted truly 
the the gift of peace of mind and safety and and just freedom in general that we have here in America because I think the great the greatest insult you could possibly manifest is to to be given a great gift and to squander it and I think that I think to to a large degree that's that's all of us and myself included I I I, I feel like I'm sort of part of this penance is code of the West, you know, to, 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 to even just the freedom to start a business, you know, I mean, at least in the state that I'm in, it's a little harder in other places like New York and California, but they're, they're really, there's not, I mean, it's hard to, it's a hard thing to do. And, it, and there's a lot more steps involved now than there were say 200 years ago. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, like I can do this. I don't. I'm not. I don't have someone telling me what I can and can't do with Code of the West. Like I, I don't have a censor. I don't have uh, a party line to tow. Like I, I get to talk to you, and I get to to have some notes and more or less speak off the top of my head, and not have to worry about anybody rolling me up and putting a bag over my head and sending me to a penal colony. Like I, I can do that, and and that's not. That's not all of the world. It's not a lot of the world, actually. And so, so yeah, I, I guess it's going to be an adventure. I'm definitely going to be doing this more again now, now that I, I feel like I've gotten out of the mud. And I think that it's, I can just be talking to you. You know, that, that I, at least that's what I think it's going to be. And, uh, and when I have someone to talk to that wants to talk, great. I'll have another person, but... I'm not uh I'm not as freaked out as I was. And I th- and I think I'm I'm more comfortable with the idea of just being a one man show here for for a bit or at least that being the the initial the initial way that this this will go forward. Uh, cuz I, I I really also that was the other thing too is I thought that uh, one man podcasts are just lame. Not that I listen to one man podcasts or any podcasts really, but I I just you know, I it seemed like less than ideal, but now I'm kind of thinking like, you know what? Fuck it. This is, this is what I'm doing and it'll, we'll see how it goes. If it needs to change, it'll change. And in terms of like, you know, if my gut tells me it needs to change, but for right now, this is got even just, I'm just even remembering how cathartic it was, you know, to start doing this. Like I didn't want to admit that at the beginning either, that it was kind of nice to just talk and get things off my chest. And I think I mentioned it one or two of the the podcasts, but um, I know I definitely did one now that I'm thinking about it, but I, uh, I, yeah, I, I kind of, now I appreciate it even more (laughs) because it it was nice. And I kind of kept things pin up. And I think that's part of the reason why I got stuck in that mud mentally. So yeah, I mean, I guess uh, that's kind of it's kind of the general overarching uh, relaunch episode, I guess you could say. In terms of um, in terms of product and stuff coming up, I'm I'm gonna try to sort that out. Like I've got a little bit of a kitty, basically between everything that I've done, you know, and where I've invested some of my time and and resources. I'm pretty much still like broken even on things. Uh, there's still like half the the blaze orange hats and those don't take up a lot of space. So, you know, I have them, I'm going to order the, uh, 
the pre-ordered grandpa hats this week. So those will be showing up, you know, for any of you that ordered those, probably looking a couple weeks out for that. And, um, um, what am I trying to say? Uh, oh yeah. So as far as new products and stuff go, uh, I'm going to listen to my gut. I'm going to see what happens. Kind of leaning towards a bandana a little bit, you know, trying to figure that out. Uh, you know, something simple, like a single screen pass over something. I saw some stuff at Zion actually, when I was up there, that looked kind of cool. And, um, I'm going to probably put some new prints up available. I'm I'm, on those. I I am using a print on demand service for those, but I like the quality of them. And, you know, they're, so they're not signed like the screen prints were, but uh, I, I like the way they turned out. So I'm going to probably just keep putting art up there. And, uh, I will, like I said, I'll be finishing that rodeo poster for Ben, but I'm not going to sell that stuff. Um, well, I mean, unless I do it as a charity thing where I sell it and donate all the money. We'll see. I've never done anything like that. That might be a way to go. Um, that would be kind of fun, actually. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. Um, and then, um, yeah, I kind of want to do a patch. I want to do more stickers. And I want to do patches. Stickers kind of a weird thing. Uh, I, I got those drop-ins as an experiment. So if anybody's ordering stuff right now, you can get a little Code of the West sticker with it and a couple postcards, but stickers are funny, because unless you bundle them, you don't, it actually basically costs me money to send you a sticker, (laughs) so I was thinking about, like, I've been looking at different things, like, I I was thinking about even doing, like, a sticker club, you know, maybe, where for something like, I don't know, like, 10 or 15 bucks a month, you know, it's like every month you get for vinyl stickers from Code of the West, and um, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I don't know if anybody would be interested in something like that, but uh, that just seemed kind of like a cool thing, because that, that way I could, I could action the art a little bit faster, because um, it costs a lot more money to do the shirts and store them, but, but with uh, the sticker club, which, one of the, one of the things I like about it is that uh, I could, basically know how many to make ahead of time based roughly. Um, so I don't know. I might, I might do that. Um, it's just, it's, it's still, I'm still debating about stuff. I like the idea of the sticker club more than anything, just because, um, it it would be interesting to me to be able to get art out faster. And I also want to do like a Velcro patch of some kind. So, which would have to be completely new. I'd have to start from scratch on that because nothing even just a a round code of the west patch i don't think would look exactly right um i want to do something a little bit more 70s a little more truck driver ish so i'm gonna play with that for a little bit but yeah i mean i think i think for right now um you know look for look for the prints and then when i get those posters done for ben maybe i'll just try to run a charity thing for myself you know like and and just donate the money to ben directly because, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it would, I think I could do that. I, I, yeah, I mean, we'll see. It would be kind of cool. So, uh, yeah, um, sorry, sorry I disappeared on you guys. Uh, <laughs> but definitely thank you for sticking with me. And, oh, also, before I go, this is, this is a, it's a weird request. But for anybody who's following me on Instagram, um, one of the ways to kind of beat the algorithm is right now, unless it's rightly so, I think, unless it's regarding Ukraine or 
some other hot button item, there's just you're not gonna you're not gonna organically or naturally see <coughs> excuse me see my post for the most part. And so if you go to the Code of the West profile on Instagram, there's a little bell up in the, t- in the top right corner, and that bell is for notifications. So if you click on that and you turn it on for videos and posts and stories and all that stuff, then you'll just you'll just get a little boop boop pop up when I post something. If if you do want to see what I'm posting, if you just follow to support, appreciate you. The, the numbers look great. That's awesome. But if you if you followed because you want to see stuff, do that because uh, right now I'm I'm fighting the tide of uh, pretty much the entire internet and culture and the world. And as much as I don't think that we should take eyes off of Ukraine, if you do need that break and you want to just think about something else or you know be inspired. Um, you know, that's, that's what we're here for. So yeah, do your notifications thing for us if you can. And, uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll hopefully talk to you next week. Don't know what I'm going to be talking to you about and I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to, going to keep rocking the truck out of the mud. (laughs) So I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks a lot.